Hello guys, welcome to our show. Today we discuss about Amazon, how you can increase sales because it's competitive, it's hard. But today we can discover some ways how you can do it. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Shane Barker. How are you? Doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. I, I was excited to see you get another invite to the podcast, man. So this is exciting. Anyway, I saw the email. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I remember all value that you can share a lot on my podcast online because I see you are super active online to bring this value. I found you on many lists, the best content marketers, the best SEO specialists. And today we cover about Amazon. Yeah, it's important as well. E-commerce marketing. Shane, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background. Remind our listeners and for new listeners about your business and how you can help people to get more sales on Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I have a pretty long history and I, I have good lighting in here. So I don't look like I'm that old, but I'm pretty old. I mean, I've been around in the digital space for a long, long time. I um, have been online. My web, my main website is shaneworker.com. Obviously, maybe a lot of people know me from there. Um, I've been a, a teacher at UCLA. Um, I taught a personal branding, how to be an influencer course. So I created the curriculum at UCLA, which is a top 20, um, you know, universities in the nation, potentially in the world. Um, and so, I, like I said, I've owned, uh, used to own a bar in Chico, California. I used to own a real estate company. Um, I've done a lot of different things. I've, I've always kind of, I always, it's always so hard when people ask me, like, what do you do? Give me your background. And I always forget things. And people are like, how do you forget that? I'm like, I've just done a lot of things in this space. And I've been real fortunate to have some amazing partners and things, people that I've worked with. It's been amazing. But we, Shane Barker mainly focused on like SEO and content marketing, influencer marketing, um, built out a podcast that I was in the top 33 uh, business podcast on Apple. So I did that, had 200 plus interviews, um, and ended up shutting that down for a number of different reasons, but it was an awesome journey. Once again, as you do interviewing people and um, seeing what, you know, letting my audience, you know, be able to learn new things about, you know, digital marketing or anything in the, in the social space. That's been awesome. And just a few years ago, I, you know, once again, like a typical crazy Shane situation. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to start looking at this Amazon thing, right? There's a lot of people on there. Amazon's not going anywhere. There's, I think, some opportunity there. And um, we'll kind of talk about that a little later on, I'm sure, as we go through this. It's a, you know, what I did there and, and, and how we did things that were a little different, well, actually a lot different than anybody else in the space to build a, a SaaS product, but also a service to be able to help sellers on Amazon um, remove negative reviews, which is um, usually what people know as a black hat tactic is something that you have to hire somebody and meet them in a dark alley and pay them money in a briefcase. And now we've made it a legit white hat service where sellers can remove negative reviews once can fully compliant with Amazon and um, built out a beautiful little stash product that uh, has been taking the world by storm. We went, I was in uh, Vegas about two months ago for Prosper Show, which is where a lot of sellers hang out for um, Amazon. And I came out of there with maybe a hundred leads. I mean, I mean, hot leads, people that were like, cause I, I wore a shirt that says we take down or we remove negative reviews and people go, uh, how do you do that? That's not possible without doing some weird stuff. And I go, no, we're 100% compliant with Amazon. And so I've gotten this, we've gotten over this stage of people being worried about it. And now that we have our site, which is tracefuse.ai, um, you can go check it out, but you know, we'll obviously talk about the services and what we've provided there, but it's a, uh, it's been interesting. I jumped into a new space, kind of brand new. I purchased stuff on Amazon, obviously, like most of us have, um, but I hadn't actually been in the space. Um, and then we started off, I partnered with some people that have been sellers in the Amazon, 
And I learned a lot through these last few years, but I'm really excited to be able to tell the audience about what we got going on. So once again, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Nice, nice. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, I had a few great episodes about Amazon uh, and I remember some uh, speakers, entrepreneurs, they created tools by uniting AI and Amazon prices now uh, because AI can handle the process. In most cases, uh, people have no time uh, to uh, change prices every single day because, yeah, it depends on many factors, competitors, customers, behaviors, uh, environment, but AI can handle the process. And you mentioned about AI. Today, it's hard to ignore this topic. <laughs> uh, impossible tomorrow. Uh, but you told about another way, about uh, handling reviews. Can you tell about your software? How your soft can help to uh, to handle the process with negative reviews and uh, more tips uh, how to find the negative, or, I mean, like not negative, I mean, fake reviews, if you can find them on Amazon. So any tips how to do it if you have like plus thousand reviews? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the... It's so funny you say AI these days and everybody's talking about AI with chat GPT, of course, and everything else. We were using AI before, I guess it was cool to use AI, right? So we, we've been working on the software for about five years. Um, the last few years is really when we've been really kind of going, you know, seeing a lot of great results from that. But our software, because it is an AI driven software, um, what's interesting about it is the fact that when we have a successful, we're filing cases through Amazon. So when we remove these reviews, what we're doing is there's there's three tiers to our process. And what it is is going to be the data that we have. We have we collect over 5,000, or excuse me, over the last five years, we've collected over 10 million reviews on Amazon. So we have all that data. We also have our methodology on different departments that we go after to file cases. I'm starting off with Seller Central. Um, and then what we can do is escalate cases or go to brand registry. There's a lot of different departments that we can file cases with. And perseverance is the third tier for us, or the third pillar, I would say, um, in regards to how we do things. Perseverance meaning we just stay on top of Amazon to be able to remove the reviews. So one thing that's interesting about the AI is that when we're filing these cases, so what we do is we we run a, a report, we pull all those reviews for the client, um, then the client go after these particular ASINs, which ASINs are going to be SKUs. So it's a unique identifier that Amazon uses for all of their products. And then what we do is when we grab those reviews, we grab all the reviews, we actually run it through our software. And the software actually gives us a probability of a review being removed or not. So um, this has taken us years to build. It's not something that you just, you know, you, you, just, you try to put something in there, you just click go and it goes. I mean, it goes now, but in the beginning it didn't. I mean, we spent a lot of money and a lot of research and we had access to hundreds of thousands of sellers accounts and we were filing cases to see if we can get reviews removed. And we were unsuccessful for the longest time this last year or two as we've really, really taken off. And what's neat about it is Every time we have a successful removal on Amazon uh, on a review, we feed that to the AI. And then the AI, what that does is that improves our cases each time we file. So we don't just use one template for everything. What happens is, is and you can see this with chat GPT, when the much data that they're feeding it, it gets better over time, right? So it's the same thing with us. When we're filing a case and we have, let's say we file a case through, um, there's a certain type of case and let's say they cuss in the review. And what we do is we run it through the software and it says, hey, we know historically that 80% of the reviews that we've gotten removed that have cussing, you want to file it with this department. And this is the email address to use. And we have uh, a template that we use. And when I say a template, those templates are constantly changing, like because Amazon's constantly changing their policies and retraining people. So what we know is by 
filing cases and when people react to a certain way that we file, whether that's using legal terminology or some other tactics that we use, great, we know that Amazon is now changing their ways a little bit and they're, they're not responding to this template that we use, but they're responding to other templates. So that's where things get really interesting. We go after the typical terms of service type stuff, right? People cussing in a review, somebody talking about mentioning pricing or somebody talking about a competitor. Those are all pretty basic things, but even most sellers that we've talked to and worked with in the past, they don't even know how to remove those types of reviews because they'll file a case with Amazon and Amazon ignores them. So there is some finesse. There's a, um, once again, we filed thousands of cases and got a no on a lot of them. So that helped us learn to, to how we get Amazon to respond. So we're at a really interesting place now. So I'll give you a use case. I'll give you an example of, of how our software is very different. We're the only company, and I'm, I'm telling you this right now, I should probably knock on wood, but we're the only company that can review, remove negative reviews. There's nobody else that can do it. Um, the people that maybe give little tactics, but there's nobody that can move it at scale like we can. So I'll give you a good, good example of that. So if what happened was, is that we've been, the, my team and I, we've, we've been sellers in the past on Amazon, right? So we were in the supplement space. And what happened is being in the supplement space, you get attacked a lot because they actually make it beneficial where that somebody can do a black hat tactic and come and remove, or they can come and buy tons of your product as a buyer and give you a one-star review, which what that does, that lowers you in your BSR and that lowers your sales. So they actually, if they go and buy a hundred of your products and spend $3,000, they can make that money back in one day by lowering your sales and increasing their sales, if that makes sense. So what we do is we go and we said, you know, how are we going to be able to, to show Amazon, explain to Amazon what's going on here, right? So what we did is we said, okay, we need to look at all the black hat tactics and we need to reverse engineer them and educate Amazon on what's going on. So I'll give you an example of that. So let's say you're a seller and you have one product, um, you have one Hero ASIN, which is going to be Hero ASIN is like one of your main ASINs, right? Your main products. And let's say you've historically received one one star a day. Let's say that's what it is. And then all of a sudden, uh, three days in a row, you receive 10 one stars, right? So you receive 30 one star reviews in three days, which is very atypical because your, your average is one one star. So what we do is we go to Amazon and say, hey, let's look at these 30 new reviews that we received, right? So let's say 10 of them came from Bob the buyer, right? So let's take a look at Bob the buyer's account. So we're putting this in a case, filing this through Seller Central. So we say, hey, Amazon, what's the likelihood that Bob comes to us and buys a product from us and gives us a one-star review? Well, in theory, it's all 20%, right? You, you could get a one-star, a two-star, a three-star, four-star, five-star. That's a 20% chance. Okay, Bob doesn't like our product, not a problem. Then Bob hated our product so much, he came back and bought another product from us. So we go, hey, Amazon, what's the likelihood that Bob would buy another product from us if he hated the first one, right? Like, how often do you go, man, I hated that dinner, but I'm going to go back tomorrow and eat it again. Nobody says that. Nobody does that. So what we do is we say, hey, Amazon, what's the probability that they're going to buy a second product from us and give us a, a one-star review? Let's say there's a 5% a chance. Okay, great. Then what's the likelihood that Bob the buyer bought a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, an eighth, a ninth, and a tenth? I can tell you the probability it's zero. Nobody does that. We maybe buy two products that you don't like, which doesn't even sound right when I say it out loud, you're not buying a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a tenth, right? So what we're showing Amazon is like, hey, here goes Bob the buyer. Here goes all the stuff that he bought from us. He gave us all one-star reviews. And then guess what? He also gave all five-star reviews to this company that's a competitor. So what do we think is going on here? That's probably a fake account. The buyer has this account. They're buying our products, pushing us down on the BSR and our sales. 
and they're making it so they get five-star reviews and those things, those products are going through the roof. So we said, hey, Amazon, what's the likelihood of this happening? Well, it's zero, right? So what we're doing to Amazon is not telling them, hey, go look into this. We're providing them all of the data that they need. And that's one of the differentiators in our pillars of success is that, you know, hey, we're, we're giving them all the data so they can look at this and they go, this is clearly a fake buyer's account. We can take that down. The beautiful part of that, what it, what's amazing for our clients is all the negative reviews are removed from our client, but then all the positive reviews are, reviews are removed from the person that was actually attacking you. So it's like, it's this double-edged sword that's like, our clients are absolutely loving it because once again, nobody can do this. We can do this. And it's, it's just one of those things that people come to us. And now that they're seeing the successes and people are starting to talk about what we're able to do, um, I would tell you, I, I've owned a lot of companies. I've never had a company like this that has absolutely gone wildfire because sellers are not, they, they can't remove reviews. They go, There's no way you can do this. I had a seller tell me one time, and I thought this was a great analogy. He said, you know, what a, the reviews to me, not being able to remove the reviews or having bad reviews or being attacked is like a pebble in my shoe. Like it doesn't kill me, but it hurts and it's annoying. And I just assume that I just can't remove it, which obviously you can remove a pebble in your shoe, but you get my point. It's like, it's just constantly there. And now that we can successfully go in and take a look at those and get reviews removed, then awesome things are happening. Now I will tell you, we they have to be against Amazon's terms of service. They have to be, you know, against the compliance there because that's what the software is all about. Is it's it's in line with Amazon's terms of service. Um, if somebody just has a really bad product and is getting bad reviews, um, ethically, I, I feel like I can't. You know, I'm not here to like just clean up profiles that that don't that aren't being attacked or aren't. You know, if you if you have a bad product and you're getting bad reviews, and maybe you should change your product, right? Maybe that's something to take a look at. But the software is once again super unique, and once people see it go take off, it's like they they lose their minds. Nice, awesome, yeah, love it, love it. <laughs> that's great. Good job. Uh, you know, can you tell how to divide? I mean, like for example, if uh, some company uh, has I don't know, like uh, plus ten thousand reviews, how soft can divide negative reviews real from fake reviews? Because, you know, if you're talking about at scale, it's a lot. So more insights about that. Yeah, that's that's where the AI comes in. When we run, mm -hmm. um, I wish I could I could show you guys a demo. I guess we are live. But I mean, what happens is I have, actually have a video that shows. But what it is, is we click initiate. We pull all the reviews. We grab all the reviews. And what we do is when we click initiate on the software, it actually will tell us whether it's compliant. If it's not compliant, um, what is the likelihood of the, of the if we can get it removed or not? And that's all based off, the, once again, the more cases that we file, the more successes and the, the more failures that we get, more on the successful side of things, then the smarter the software gets. And so that's what's interesting about it is that in the beginning, it was us eyeballing them and going, oh, this is not in compliant. And there was a lot of a human factor there. Well, now we have software that actually gets it to where, once again, grab all the reviews, we run it through the software, it gives us you know, where we should be filing the case, it gives us a template to use. And then what we do is we go fill out that template or that case and put in all of the analytics and all the information, the data that we have that we collect on a daily basis from Amazon. So that's the beautiful thing about it. In the beginning, it was very manual, very human-based. Now what we do is when we know where to file the cases, all the cases that we file with Amazon are done through humans. So there's no automation there. We can't automate anything on Amazon. So we file the cases, we train our team on how to file cases, and then we file cases for the clients. Yeah, nice. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Good job, good job. Uh, you know, uh, 
you remind me about uh, Mark Zuckerberg because in the last presentation he told uh, yeah he uh, explained about the future vision of Meta or Facebook and he count, uh, he told uh, almost 40 times AI so journalists uh, counted how many times he proclaimed AI and he told uh, around 40 times a lot so can you tell what kind of prompts do you use uh, in AI uh, to set up in your software and you, you mentioned that you can teach AI about improving results for example if you can't get results uh, yeah you can teach to explain about that and you mentioned that uh, it's not like uh, to do it thousand times uh, you remind me when I wrote thousand comments on LinkedIn and got zero followers <laughs> zero results and I got it I need to go ahead and after a thousand times I uh, the first results came it takes time you know to learn to improve it's the same with I don't know uh, after sending thousand uh, personalized emails I got zero results but then results came uh, with experience so tell more about teaching AI to uh, provide a good job yeah it's it is something else like I am not an, an AI engineer by any means but I definitely have people on my team that are a lot smarter than me when it comes to, to building this out um, and I hired the right people I'll, I'll tell mm -hmm. you it is pretty incredible the amount of like the information that you feed it and the cases, because it looks at everything. It looks at things that, that our human mind doesn't necessarily comprehend or understand that we're comprehending. It just looks at the data and it and it pumps out what it, what you need it to pump out with you, know, obviously with the right types of prompts and, and that kind of thing. So it is, um, I mean, before ChatGPT, we were working on this and obviously that was, you know, before it became real, real popular. AI was something that was out there and, you know, Will Smith made a movie about it and there was some stuff out there, but it was nothing that, I think people really understood the magnitude of it, except people behind the scenes that were working in it on what it can do. And I think it's an amazing thing. I think it's a little scary for some people, right? To go, man, this is like, this is the future. And it's kind of like, you know, what does this mean for us, right? As humans, but from a software perspective of being able to feed it successes and failures and for it to be able to give us better cases and how we file cases is absolutely amazing. Now, I will tell you, you know, it's the models that we've built. So ChatGPT, if they wanted to like do what we do, they wouldn't be able to do that because we're, we have our own models that we've built, right? Like ChatGPT is just AI, it's a, a, right, what, what's being used there. But we've built out these models because we also know what to look for. We've had to feed it tons of data to be able to get it to go down a road where the AI is, is something that we actually is, is feasible and actually can be used. So that journey was pretty interesting because once again, I'm not an engineer. Right. I'm, I'm pretty good with data, but I'm not like a data engineer by any means. I have no enough to be dangerous. And so I was able, like I said, able to, to bring the right people on the team. But like I have these engineers that I talk with. These guys are insane. Like the amount of knowledge and how they're feeding the AI and they show it to me and explain it to me. And I mean, after a one hour meeting, my, my head hurts, man. I'm like, man, this is it blows my mind. Every time I look at it, it's just like it's surreal. It's surreal on how. We can file a hundred cases a certain way, and then the two days later we file them totally different because they recognize the template that Amazon was sending back to us. Or when somebody said no, how they said no, or if they said yes five times, great, we know there's certain terminology that we used in this case or in these case filings that was different than our other ones. So that now we can now we can improve the template. So it is um, you know, AI is changing like every day. Like you can, you know, so that's with what we've built, we 
what we've had to feed this thing and, and the amounts of going in the wrong direction to be able to get it in the right direction was tremendous. I mean, it's, it's not like you just give it a few prompts and there you go, it's up and going. Like, it's like anything else, you have to feed it, right? I mean, you're, you're feeding this thing information and you're making sure it's the right information because if you feed it the wrong information, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna have a machine that's not something that you can use. So um, it's pretty, it's crazy. It's absolutely insanely incredible. And even chat GPT and you look at prompts and the different things you can do these days. I mean, we're, we're at the, the, the beginning stages of this thing. This thing is only getting ready to take off. Obviously, you know, you said Zuckerberg and AI and once again, it's going to be a, an abused term, right? And everybody's going to hear AI and it's like, oh, the next few years, it's like just going to be, you know, like a term that everybody uses and they just kind of get it. But now it's still a little fresh, but it's becoming a little more, um, I guess, overused, I would say, right? you know, probably getting to that point here soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I often see when people overuse, uh, for example, I cooperate with many writers. Some of them can write for Forbes, uh, Bloomberg, uh, Search Engine Journal. Uh, good websites, well-known websites, but all of them, all of them use uh, AI, all of them. And <laughs> we usually discuss how we can use AI. We can't ignore AI, of course. Uh, all writers will use it, but we need to find the right way, not overuse. I mean, like, we need to use, but <laughs> not overuse. And uh, you mentioned about uh, companies that have uh, bad products. It's the same with marketing. Marketing can help bad products uh, and you can help bad products as well. So uh, can you tell how you can uh, analyze that companies have bad products because you told that you can't help. So you do before uh, starting the process or uh, during the process when you uh, can figure out. Yeah, we actually part of the, the software, what it does, it, it looks at certain terms, certain keywords. And so we're running the when we're running the software when we're you know running the reviews through there. If there's certain things that people are bringing up all the time, like um, I mean I'm trying to think of a good term like oh I was burnt, right? So if there's a product and you have 100 reviews and 80 of them talk about being burnt, well guess what? It probably burns people, right? I mean now if there's two people saying it that burnt them out of 100, that's eh, a lower probability. But if you're at 70, 80 percent, so there's certain terms that we run, we run the software, it will flag it and say, hey, there's all kinds of people saying this. And if we look at that, then we'll, we'll make the suggestion to the client, like, hey, this is some common terminology that we're seeing and there, there could be a problem with this product and they can go, yep, we had a problem with that product. We've revamped it, we changed it, um, there we go. So, you know, we would like to remove those reviews because, you know, these this is gonna be the new product and this new product doesn't burn anybody. And you can see, and we can run, run the software. In the last 30 reviews, only two people talk about it being burnt, but before that it was so great. Now we know that it's been improved and we want to take down those other reviews knowing the client has improved the product. But I've had, you know, we work with big aggregators, which are like VC companies for, they buy, um, you know, Amazon based businesses. And we worked with, there was one of them that I talked to, I can't say the name, but because um, of an NDA, but we, they were a big one and they were like, Hey, we want to get rid of this product. We need to sell the other 3000 units. And I was like, Oh, okay. I said, well, what, you know, what is a product? And it was a, a product that was, um, there was, there was, what it was is like a, um, like a cement is what it was like a cement that can be toxic. And so they were like, yeah, the first, you know, whatever, 5,000 units was bad. And so we just want to sell the rest of those units. And I was like, but I don't want to take down your negative reviews so you can sell a bad product. Like you just told me it was a bad product. They're like, yeah, but we just got to get rid of the units. And I'm like, sounds like you need to like, just get rid of them, like not sell them. Like, you know, it's not like, so I, I had to tell him, I say, hey, listen, I, I can't, I can't do that. Ethically, I, I don't, you know, I feel like 
that's not a good move. And, you know, I just can't, I can't promote that. So I just told him I couldn't take down those reviews because it's still a bad product and it's, and it was toxic. So it's not like it's just a shoe that doesn't fit. Like this could affect somebody, could affect somebody's life. And so I don't want to be a part of that. My ethics run a lot stronger than that. So I just said, you know, this is not going to be a good one for us. And we worked on other products for them and it was fine. They loved it. But, you know, I, I've got to, you know, I have, you have to be ethical in the way that you do business. And if you have a bad product that could harm people, I don't want anything to do with that, right? I'm here to do good business. Yeah, I remember when Bill Gates said about negative reviews, that uh, negative reviews are the biggest set of data, you know, when you can learn how, what kind of problems you have to update, to improve. That's okay, you know, if you have bad product, but you can improve it. So, yeah, because uh, uh, even, uh, I don't remember, remember exactly the quote, it means like if you uh, launch a product and uh, people love it, that means you did it late. <laughs> so, yeah. Because, yeah, because it's better to uh, show the first version and update, improve. Yeah, you can go ahead by learning customer feedback. Shit, I want to ask you about another aspect of your experience about ACO <laughs> because... I found on your LinkedIn that you posted about EE80 in my ACL course. Lily Ray uh, wrote a list, a checklist of uh, EE80 well, uh, expertise, experience, authority, trust. And um, uh, but I found in your list uh, that you started. It's easy, you know, uh, or isn't difficult. <laughs> uh, when I got your, uh, uh, when I wrote your, uh, read your checklist i got it it's it's hard really because you need to have this experience it's not like too easy job it's hard job but if you have experience of course it's simple can you tell more about ee80 what businesses companies need to do uh, and how to measure because for example we can measure keyword difficulty many metrics but we can't measure ee80 it's like uh, in uh, we can rely on our uh, internal experience now to measure it. Any tips about that? Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about EAT or EATT is that it's it's you know it's always been around. I think it's been evolving though, right? I mean, it's it's been around. Talk about you know expertise and authority, and it, it's it's been a, a component of that. But I think what Google's doing is they're they're trying to better define it of what that looks like, right? Because they want to be able to. The whole goal is that when you're searching something on Google is that Google wants to give you the best information, right? That's really their goal is to say, hey, if you're looking for this right here, then this is going to be our top 10, you know, organically, this is what shows up. Obviously, you can pay and be in certain positions through PPC. Um, EAT is just something that I think is is constantly going to be evolving, but they, they're constantly trying to, once again, educate their AI and their machine learning and all that kind of stuff on what warrants somebody that is going to make somebody valid if I'm saying something is like, hey, am I a newbie to the industry? Have I been doing this a long time? And like, how do we know that that if something that Shane says, because what I say and what the guy who just got out of marketing school says could be very different, but they have to assume, and I'm saying this is always true, that I, because I've been doing this for 25 years, that I would have more expertise and more knowledge than the person that just got out of college and was reading books, right? So we have to, so that's what they're trying to look at is like, who are the people that we should listen to? Right. And I'm not saying always listen to me. Right. I mean, I have my ups and downs with marketing. And I have a lot of experience, obviously. Um, I'm trying to be humble here. I mean, I, you know, once again, I'm, 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 I'm a student of the game. I'm always trying to learn new things. And, you know, I have a plenty of marketers that are a lot smarter than I am out there. 
Um, you know, um, do they work as hard as me? I don't know. I don't know. That's up for debate. But um, yeah, the eat thing is interesting. Like I said, I think that is constantly going to be evolving. Um, and I will tell you another thing. I did hear about I did hear about your SEO course, and I want to tell you congratulations on that. I've heard nothing but I've heard some pretty good reviews about what you got going over there, man. So congratulations on that. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when I launched this SEO course, I got the first review one star review after five minutes <laughs> so you know it's like uh we have plus 70 hours of videos a lot of articles written by great experts and the first uh, review one star i was excited wow, wow first review i need to check out <gasps> one star <laughs> you know after five <laughs> minutes <laughs> uh anyway it's the same it's... like with amazon uh, after that uh, we got a lot of great reviews and uh, yeah it's highly ranked but yeah, <laughs> yeah on Udemy it's the same issue that we can you can find on Amazon uh yeah. so my question about common mistakes can you list mistakes that companies still do on Amazon uh by uh I don't know trying to um to play with reviews uh, and your tips uh, how to do it because I, I i still see when p companies try to create these reviews uh, or uh, uh, avoid some reviews any tips about that and uh, yeah uh, what to do <laughs> yeah i mean i think the most important thing is so people come to us when they've already received you know negative reviews one two or three stars amazon calls those critical reviews the one two and three stars those are the ones that we work on I mean, my recommendation would be obviously, and this is very like, duh. I mean, this is kind of a, a situation where you're selling you're like, this is uh, obviously I should be doing this is getting more four and five star reviews. Because if you're going to increase sales and if you want to go up in your BSR, BSR is a bestsellers ranking. If you want to go up in those rankings, the goal of it is, is you need to get more four and five star reviews. So once again, you know, Amazon's algorithm and what they do is there's a number of different factors that go into play there. But one of the main things is, is well, is going to be customer service what people, the reviews that you write. I mean, the reviews of on Amazon is the core of their business. Like if you, like think about it, when you go to Amazon and you go to buy something, you look at the reviews. And if there's a 4.5 out of five, you're buying it. If there's a 3.2 out of five, you're not buying it. That's just how it goes. And Amazon really plays on that. So what I would recommend, it's no different than, you know, in, in the digital space, if you're a restaurant and they go, hey, what would I recommend you? You know, what do you think I should do? I'm like, go get as many four, give me five star reviews as you can for your restaurant. Because if you get one one star on your Yelp and you don't have anything else on there, guess what? You're screwed. It's going to be really hard to get that back up. So what I recommend when sellers come out, obviously get as many four and five star reviews. The one, two, and three stars are going to happen. Hopefully they're not quite, you know, you want to have a, a higher four and five star review. But I will tell you that once again, if you're a seller that you know has at least 500 critical reviews, one of the things that we look at there is that the a one star review and a five star review aren't equal. So Amazon weighs those differently. So this is kind of a fun fact. The one star, if we remove one one star, that can be equivalent to five to 10 five stars. Because once again, a one star weighs it down. Amazon goes, hey, if somebody gives it a one star, that must really be bad, right? Because what is the likelihood that we write negative reviews? It's usually pretty low, right? You have to really, really, really be mad or you're just kind of a crazy human to just write negative reviews all day long, right? For the most part, as humans, we'll talk about you know, a, a good experience, but the negative experience, you just gotta, it's one of those things that, that Amazon doesn't take it lightly if you write a negative review and it really, really damages your brand. And up until this point, there was no solution. 
You couldn't, there's nothing you could do. Once again, it's a pebble in your shoe. You're just like, it's annoying and there's nothing I can do about it. But guess what? Now you can. Now when you remove those critical reviews of one, two, and three stars, it increases your your, your BSR, right? Which is your bestseller ranking. It, it can increase sales. It increases your, um, it actually lowers um, your, well, it's called the ACOS, right? And then also increases your ROAS. So there's, you know, better placement on sponsored listings. Like there's all kinds of stuff that these negative, you know, when you have these negative reviews, it really pulls you down. It also helps your searchability on Amazon. So negative reviews aren't just about how it looks on the profile. Like Amazon looks at it like if the more negative reviews you have, they're not going to recommend you. Like the same thing if you have a, if you're a restaurant and, you know, Google's not going to put your restaurant if you got 28 bad reviews, number one for a place to go buy, get a pizza. Why would they do that? They're going to say, apparently the world hates your pizza. Why would I recommend that as Google? Because really that's a representation of what I'm saying is the best. So negative reviews affect everybody, whether it be restaurants, whether it be anything. But on Amazon, it is the core of their business. If you don't believe in the reviews, review system on Amazon, you're not buying these products. That's how they got to how big they are today. So we are we have a service that can help people, once again, that are have bad reviews, be able to get back up and, and be able to get back to the fight and not let those negative reviews, you know, crush a, a product that they have or an ASIN that they have. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, I have the question about starting from scratch. For example, if uh, companies start from scratch, uh, can you give some tips what to do? Because it's hard. It doesn't matter. SEO, social media, Amazon, it's overwhelmed, overpriced. It's hard. So any tips what to do if you start from scratch, but uh, if uh, uh, ha by having good products? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a few different things you can do. I mean, whether it's, this is whether you're in the Amazon digital marketing or starting your own company, really doing your research, right? The, the beautiful thing that we have these days that, that we didn't have when, when I was growing up in, in digital marketing, now I'm going to sound really old, right? I sound like the old man talking about when I was walking up a, you know, a, a, a mountain in snow or something, right? But what it is, is this, is what you got to look at is there's there's plenty of like there's Udemy there's all these great places where you can go take courses and obviously yours being one of them from an SEO perspective those things are extremely valuable because you don't have to start from scratch right you can go and learn something so what I'm saying is if you want to go sell on Amazon there's somebody out there that has a course that you don't have to go spend ten thousand dollars on right that you can go and get some general knowledge on how to once again how to do a better product listing how to do better product shots how to be able to get up in the BSR, how to get positive reviews, how to take care of your negative reviews, which there's only one company that could do that. You guys already know about them. But what you need to do is figure out what you're going to do to get a game plan together, but don't just blindly launch something, right? Like that doesn't, that, that in theory worked 20 years ago when you didn't have any insight. You didn't have anybody talking about it. We just would throw it up there. Like when I did SEO 100 years ago, we just would put it up and go, oh, an index, this is awesome. Like we didn't really, there's no software. There was no nothing to like, help you make better decisions. These days, you don't have to fly blind. There's softwares that you can grab. There's all kinds of things you can do if you're going to do a product launch to be able to launch better or if you're going to launch a, a company, a restaurant, a apparel brand. Don't go and get a little bit of a general knowledge. I'm not saying you need to do all that work yourself, right? You don't need to be oh, go do all the SEO work. Get enough information in your mind to know how to do SEO and then you can have somebody else and you can manage those projects. So once again, I'm not an AI engineer. Like I am not, like if you got me into coding, that's scary. I am not a coder. But what it is, is I know enough about it to be dangerous to hire the right people. 
So you don't need to be, I don't need to be an accountant, right? To be able to do accounting. I mean, well, you do need to be an accountant to do accounting, but I don't necessarily need to be a, a, a you know, a, an accountant to be able to know what to do in regards to accounting. I need to know just enough to be dangerous to hire somebody to know what they need to be doing. So that's the thing. You don't need to do everything yourself. The point of being an entrepreneur is to, you want to scale you're, so you don't crush your soul is you need to learn how to do something and then find somebody that will take that from you. That's the only way you're going to scale. Like trace views we got right now. I, we are going, I mean, I'm going to be hiring 40 people in the next nine months. Like it's insane. Our growth is absolutely insane right now. I couldn't, you think I, you know, I can't be the treasurer, the president, the secretary, the, you know, I can't do everything, right? I'm not going to, I can't even do AI, but I don't have to. I just need to find the people that do, that can do that and know enough about it to once again, to tell them, Hey, I heard about this and I'll take a look at this. Like, I want to keep pressing them to get better. And the team that I have is absolutely amazing. They press themselves. I mean, they're always showing me crazy stuff, but the, the goal of this is as entrepreneurs is to to manage it, right? Not to be in it every day because I need to grow my business and I can't really grow my business if, I, if I'm in it every day, right? If I'm the one doing all the work, I have no time for, you know, seeing what's working, what's not working. So, and I'm not saying I'm not in my business every day because I absolutely am and I'm working long hours. But the idea of this is, is how do I learn how to do something and then outsource it? How do I learn how to do something and then outsource it? That really is the key. Yeah. Love it, love it. Yeah, I agree. By the way, uh, you know, I launched my, my SEO course. Uh, the main goal was to uh, give this course for someone who doesn't understand SEO because I found that uh, I usually get high results with someone who understands. If they don't understand, I tell them, take my course. It costs like $10, $20, not a lot, but you can learn from the best experts. Yeah, and a few days ago, someone told me, check out Torrents, I found your course, uh, do something. I thought, no way, guys, <laughs> leave it, leave it. People can learn, that's okay. It doesn't matter from Torrents, from Udemy. Yeah. <laughs> learn, learn it, learn it. And uh, Shane, I have the question about uh, hiring. You know, you mentioned that you are going to hire more people to your team, and it's important to have great specialists. Can you tell your uh, methods of finding right people in your team especially if you don't understand uh how it works uh, i mean like engineering uh, coding and uh, yeah any tips about that yeah so i mean it just depends on what you're hiring for and where to find those individuals mm -hmm. i was one of the original people on well it was called get a freelancer back in the day when i was on there now it's freelancer and i think it's been purchased a few other times so there's different names um but i've always hired freelance workers you know once again me to get a general knowledge of how to do things, but also staying in the middle of projects to learn. So I've always enjoyed that side of things, you know, depending on what you're looking for. So if I'm looking for um, like people to help me with um, like, you know, emails and <clears throat> outreach and stuff like that, I use a lot of, um, I, I work directly with individuals and I usually bring them on full time. And that can be, you know, the Philippines, India, Pakistan, there's all kinds of great countries. I mean, um, that you can, you know, Ukraine, obviously, there's a lot of them, right, where you can go out and, and grab individuals that are amazing people that do amazing work, and you can pay them an amazing wage and save money, you know, because it's not US-based people. Um, <clears throat> some projects, it just depends on what you're looking for. Um, like a lot of our engineers are all over the world, right? We have, you know, some engineers that are, you know, here in the United States and some outside of the United States. So it just depends on what you're hiring for. It's, I can't really say one site is where I go for everything. I do have a few sites where I can grab like um, an executive assistants that have been trained in Amazon. 
So I will tell you there's some value in that. There's some of them that I'll, I'll either A, one of my little, this would be my little tip and trick for everybody listening. One of the things that I do is I'll go into like LinkedIn and I'll go and find the individuals that are working for a certain company. Um, and maybe they're an expertise that I'm looking for that I want to hire somebody. And I'll reach out to them and say, hey, Jennifer, I see that you work in this company. This is awesome. You do this, this, and this. I'm actually going to be hiring for the same position. Do you know anybody that would be interested? Well, what I'm really asking them is like, you know, would you be interested? But Or do you know anybody that would be interested, right? So the goal of that is to be able to grab the right people. I want to grab people that already have experience in what I'm looking for. I don't, I'm not looking to pay bottom dollar and train somebody for two years. I want to find somebody that has already been trained by somebody that already has some experience. Um, and then I can go in and, and show them my system. But the goal for me in the beginning, it was to save money. Now I don't need to save as much money. I need to find the right people to be able to scale my company. Nice, nice. Yeah. New, new Pato shares the same effort <laughs> for hiring yeah. people. And uh, once Jeff Bezos said that Amazon will be bankrupt, but uh, the main goal of uh, all people in Amazon to procrastinate the process. I think uh, everything has the end, SEO will be dead, but it takes time, you know, to change habits, uh, probably a few decades, uh, a, a lot of time. So we still have this time. <laughs> Can you tell about what kind of future will be in short period, like five years, 10 years, uh, your prediction about the future on Amazon and how companies can adapt today to this possible future? Yeah, I think Amazon's going to continue to evolve, right? I mean, I, I think we're kind of seeing that. They're having layoffs like every tech company right now. I, I don't think that's uncommon at this point. But what's happening is Amazon's, they're, you know, they're looking to take over the world, right? I mean, they are just from banking perspective, from healthcare. There's a number of different things. They just a year or two ago, they got um, some technology or got some, some patents um, on drones, drones coming out of the seas, like actually having like warehouses in the, in the ocean. So there's a, I mean, they're looking to take over. They bought Ring and, you know, they bought the company Ring, which is a, um, like a, like an alarm type company. Well, there's the reason why they bought that is because they want to be able to bring packages inside your house. So Amazon's always looking for ways to improve things, right? That's really their big thing is how do we make things better? Right. And, and how are we going to be able to, to monopolize on that? And they, they're very aggressive. And they do an amazing job there. Now, I would tell you, my before I was jumped in the Amazon space, my thing was always, "Oh, be really careful of Amazon." You know, I still think you have to be a little cautious if you're selling a you know B or a D to C, right, direct to consumer, um, and you're going to start selling on Amazon. There's huge perks with selling on Amazon, but it's also not easy, right? Like anything, you can't expect to go throw a few products up on Amazon and be making a million dollars. Like the the guys that I work with, some of the big companies that that we work with. Have been on there for six, seven, eight years, grinded out really, really hard, and now they're starting to see some successes. So there is no overnight success with anything. Amazon's no different. If you put in the time and you get the reviews and you know you really build out a great product and you optimize your listings and do all the things you need to do, good things will happen. Amazon will continuously tweak things that are going to be better for themselves and for the user. Um, what they care about is the consumers. They don't care about the sellers as much. Not that they don't like sellers. I mean, they love sellers. But the thing is, is they care about the consumer. They're, they're consumer crazy. They're consumer obsessed. So that's what we have to look at is like when you're a brand on Amazon, you have to figure out, understand Amazon and understand that are you customer obsessed? Are you the person that if somebody sends you a bad email through Amazon, they, how quickly do you respond? Is it one hour, two hours, three days, five days? Do you ignore them? Somebody's looking for a refund or there's a problem with the product. Do you respond? Do you not respond? 
Those are all factors for Amazon. They look at all of that because if you don't respond, that's a problem. You start to get penalized and that actually will affect your listing. So lots of moving pieces to Amazon. If you're a good person, you're doing good business and you're responding to people and um, you know, you're know getting bad reviews and you need us to help you with that, obviously we're here at any time to help. Nice, nice. Yeah, I agree. Love it, love it. Shane, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you. You always share a lot of valuable insights. So enjoyable. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a million different ways. Probably the best way is that, you know, you can look at shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. Uh, my new software company, well, newer, I mean, newer in regards, we just launched probably about a year, year and a half ago, been doing it for about five years, is tracefuse.ai. So that's T-R-A-C-E-F-U-S-E dot A-I. You can take a look at that there. And my email is either shane at shanebarker or Shane at tracefuse.ai. So you can reach out to me anytime. Instagram is Shane Barker. LinkedIn is Shane Barker. You know, all the Twitter is Shane underscore Barker. You can, if you put in Shane Barker in your search, you'll find me. I'm, I'm there. Nice, guys. You can find the links uh, to Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, to the website in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. I recommend to anyone to follow Shane on social media because you can see a lot of value. Okay, guys. Love you. See you.